listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 382. My name's David. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. And I don't know about you, but I've got a little bit of election fatigue, <laughs> though it's a good fatigue, I will say that. Yeah, I spent a fairly significant amount last week uh, in, in a pretty constant state of stress. But, uh, well, you know, yeah, ahead, I sorry. mentioned to Mary, it's, it, it's almost like watching a 72-hour football game. Right. Except here, we still weren't sure we had the result. So, I don't know. But, I mean, you know, for political junkies, obviously this is their favorite time of year. And, you know, in the U.S., you get that every two years. I mean, every four for a president, but yeah. every two for Congress and the Senate. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I was just impressed with the, you know, I I don't really watch news shows that much, but obviously, you know, did a lot. And this guy, John King on CNN, man, I was like, this guy's the champ. Yeah. Oh, dude, <laughs> you're not, not kidding. And he's got a little young protege that does his thing in the morning and early afternoon. I forget the guy's name. Mary knows his name. He's not as good as John King, but damn, those guys are impressive. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I realized he's saying a lot of the same stuff over and over, and like, which it really didn't bother me because I, you know it's like actually interesting. But I mean, he must be at the end of the day, he must be like, oh my god, I said probably like twenty words over and over again. But no, it was he, he was he, if, if nothing else came out of it, so I, I came out with a, a extremely deep uh, respect for John King for sure. Yeah, so, all right, well, we'll leave the election there. We might have a word or two to say at the very end, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I want to thank our patrons, Fred from the Netherlands, Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. Appreciate you guys. Uh, if you want to contact us with any feedback, questions, you know, whatever, the email is sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. Record your own audio clip if you want, the way Fred does each week. Send it as an attachment. We always encourage you to join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Tip of the week, what we're watching. <laughs> I, I messaged you, I don't know, maybe Tuesday or whatever. Dude, I just watched the first two episodes mm -hmm. of Barbarians. You were so right. And what did you message me back? I said, I just watched the first two episodes of Queen's Gambit. You were so right. Oh, my God. That, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, was so, the, that was a very funny exchange there. <laughs> yeah, so Barbarians, oh, it, it's so good. I mean, you, know, you mentioned that if you like Vikings, if you like The Last Kingdom, chances are you'll like Barbarians, and I would certainly agree with you. Uh, and I know you have had HBO off and on. I'm not sure if you have it at the moment, but... I still have not seen their series Rome, but oh dude, wow, yeah. So I'm super motivated. In, in fact, I went and resubscribed to Mike Duncan's History of Rome because oh, it's been a couple years since I've listened to it. Uh -huh. I, I go back and and put that, you know, on the iPod. So yeah, I, I, barbarians, and that's all I'm going to say this week. So anything different you want to bring up? Um, well, I mean, just, you know, like to echo, I mean, I know you talked about Queen's Gambit last week, but I mean, that show was awesome. That, that was really good. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a one-off, you know, but, uh, it was great. Um, and the, the, I can't remember the name of the actress, 
played the lead, but she was, you know, just, you know, just totally riveting, you know, playing a girl. Actually, from, like, age, I think, like, she started playing her when she was, like, around 15 up to 21, I think, or something like that. Um, so, and there's the little things they did to, to show, obviously, there's not, like, the, the, the difference between what a kid looks like at 15 and 21 is, I mean, there's obviously differences, but maybe not super huge ones. But they definitely, you could see her change, even though physically she didn't change that much, you could see. But anyway, it was a great show. I highly recommend it. Um, and The Mandalorian, um, I didn't talk about last week because we talked about Barbarians, but now I've seen the first two episodes of season two, and I actually went back and rewatched season one as well. And that's a show that, you know, I mean, I, I obviously enjoyed it a lot, uh, season one last year. But uh, going back and rewatching it, this is actually like my third time watching, I think. As always, when, you know, we call ourselves Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and part of the joy of the rewatch is you go back and you see things you missed before. Or you, ideally, you gain a greater appreciation for the, the you know, the show that you're rewatching because, you know, you you see a little more of its nuance, if if it has nuance. Not, not every show we've covered had a lot of nuance, but uh, but certainly the Mandalorian does very rich, both uh, it's it's in its uh, photography and storytelling, and uh, so it's really cool. All right, sounds good. All right, time for SG One, episode one hundred four, sure. the Broca Divide. Much better episode this week. I think we will all agree. This one sure. was yeah, written absolutely. by Jonathan Glasner, directed by William Garrity, aired August 15th, 1997. Sort of ironic that it's a virus transmitted through the air and kind of what we're dealing with in reality, but... Um, so timely, man. I mean, like, there's so much of this just hit way too close to home. And, yeah. you know, the, the, just the fact that there's like this super infectious virus going on, not a glove or mask in sight. Well, you know, it's funny you even mentioned that because it's something I've thought about over the last few months and talked a little bit to my wife about it, that I wondered how television was going to handle the COVID pandemic as it creates its shows. And I had said to her on numerous occasions, I hope they do don't acknowledge it i don't want to see a bunch of people walking around in masks right and i know you don't watch it this is us okay fine we've been down that road before yeah but it had its season premiere and they acknowledged it full on uh, they acknowledged you know the social injustices that we've had full on and and, and that's fine you know, but it's almost like, you know, I see that in the news every day. I'm not sure I want to watch it on television, but yeah, it's a show she still loves. I've invested this much time, so I'll keep going with it. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, this episode of SG1, where the exploration of alien worlds brings with it certain unforeseen dangers, and, and of course, we can make the connections about the diseases that the Europeans brought to the new world. And sure. You know, many of the Native Americans were, were just decimated by it. So, you know, I, I thought that was, you know, a, a, certainly a valid theme to explore when you're out there exploring the universe. 
Sure. I mean, it, it might actually. Well, I mean, you saw the complete disregard for PPE as in the midst of this pandemic, or I should just call this little epidemic. But, you know, when they go to an a alien world, why do they? Well, I, I mean, I guess they did say in the beginning how they, they test out to make sure it's conducive to human life and everything. But, um, but yeah, why don't they, you know, have like biohazard suits and stuff at first? Well, I guess that's kind of also would be a little bit uh, off-putting for the the people. But, you know, the, the Untouched had, you know, PPE, right? Yeah, they, they did. And, and I know what you're saying from a narrative perspective. But they do send the, I think it's MALP. I believe it's an acronym, M-A-L-P. I could be wrong on that. It's been a while. But, you know, that supposedly goes through and, and sends back all sorts of data that i guess addresses some of what you're talking about but of course it can't address it all it's not as if it could send back that there's a pandemic going on 100 miles inland if you make it that far so um you know it's obviously something they're going to have to be concerned with now throughout the uh, episode the other thing that comes up in this one is uh, a little bit of electricity between Carter and O'Neill or uh, am I reading too much in? I mean, Fred brings it up in his um, feedback. I don't think you're reading too much in as she like totally jumped him. And then he said, and Fred points out, he says, not like this, which, you know, he doesn't say no. <laughs> he says, not like this, you know? Right. So it seems like this is something he's been thinking of and, of course, we assume that going after O'Neill uh, must be representative of some, you know, subconscious you know, desires here or something. So, uh, so yeah, put a put a pin in that one. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not sure, but you know, it seems like we'll we'll go back to that at some point. Okay. Now we also got the introduction of Dr. Janet Fraser, although I don't think they mention her by name played by Terrell Rothery, and, and I bring it up, spoiler alert, she's going to be in the series quite often, so sorry <laughs> if I spoiled that for you, but you may no, recognize well, I, her. I, I think I saw, I was reading something I saw. I mean, it, that's not a big spoiler anyway. And I, I expect, because they gave her a pretty big part here, and we're talking about kind of like sparks flying, I was picking up on some action between the doctor and and Jack actually, so you know, I fully expected to see her again. Oh yeah, no question. And and some of you guys might recognize her because she's been in multiple episodes of Arrow, Caprica, most recently Travelers. But the thing I find really fascinating in this episode is the fact that she continues to call him Mr. Teal'c, even though Daniel corrects her on multiple occasions. No, just Teal'c. Why does she do it? Is it a sign of respect, knowing that he is an alien, that he probably feels somewhat like the other, which, of, of course, he is, even though the team has welcomed him. She doesn't necessarily know all the personal dynamics within the SG-1 team, but it'll be interesting to see if she keeps that up or just goes with the more familiar Teal. We'll see. Yeah. Now, the other thing I noticed and you know I noticed it throughout the first few episodes and I wondered whether it was going to change but we've got this linear storytelling as opposed to the multiple storylines that we're used to pretty much in 
every show we've talked about right on sci-fi tv rewatch so whether this was a sign of the times in 1997 or just the approach that sg1 has decided to take or maybe they'll go to multiple storylines we shall see but at least to this point it's more linear and you know that's fine it's just a different way of telling the story yeah we had mentioned last week how it kind of is reminiscent of um star trek right and you know when i think about it like i i i think like the classic series tended to probably just follow a single storyline i know next generation would follow multiple storylines at the time but yeah, you know, so in that way, it could be just kind of like a, a throwback to what is, you know, very clearly one of its major influences. Right. And, and the other interesting thing is that even though this was on Showtime, these episodes have pretty much clocked in around 42, 43 minutes. And when you go back and you start watching the old Star Trek, the original series, back then, TV episodes were 50, 51, 52 minutes because they were only doing eight minutes of commercials. So yeah, God uh, bless them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, the opening scene, we learn that they're using a statistical model to come up with the gate numbers that they're going to dial. And yeah, I, I love Hammond. I, I, at this point, we can kind of count on him to get the episode off to a flying start. They've got their next mission. Only problem is that the probe didn't send back any visuals apparently because it's dark which then of course leaves the team in the dark uh, you know daniel rightly so i think it was daniel first says well you know that's not good i i don't want to go in there not knowing what's on the other side that's why you've got the sg3 marines young man yeah okay <laughs> i guess you're not going to turn out to be a dick no not at all. <laughs> actually he wasn't bad <laughs> he wasn't know. bad no um, um but yeah, well, I mean, Daniel raises a, a pretty good point here, though. You know, like it's kind of what we were talking about is that um, you know when you're exploring uh, a place that uh, you know is on the other side of the galaxy and you have no idea about it except that it can support life, um, you know, a, a, a certain degree of caution should be exercised. You know. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mentioned in the Facebook posting to, you know, ask the listeners, you know, cut us a little bit of slack for last week. We were pretty harsh with the episode, and I think we both agree it, it did deserve a lot of what we said, maybe everything we said. And a lot of you that posted, you know, bring up the fact that, well, a lot of shows are pretty rough in their first season and i would argue that i agree but this episode was rougher than most but but uh still i think one of the things we have to look at is the dynamic among the characters and and of course jack is the leader of the team so we look to him for direction and of course he's the wisecracker of the team which I, i think adds a lot to his charm but it comes time to go through the gate and the Marines are ready to go through first. And Jack says, no, we'll go through. And Daniel looks at him like, what the hell? <laughs> that's why, that's why they're here. That's why these guys are here. right? Yeah. Right. But, but Jack, it, it's so easy to forget that he does pick up the nuance. As you mentioned at the beginning of the discussion that 
you know, we might not know what we're going to find on the other side. What if it's Sharae and Scara? They're going to mm-hmm. shoot first, ask questions later. So, you know, he's, he's thinking like a good leader does. Yes. And, of course, Daniel's a scientist. And at this point, you know, I guess he's not yeah. thinking that way. You know, he, he's right. Well, he, he's, he's not the leader, though, right? I mean, that's why, that's why Jack's the leader, right? Right. Because he, he does think of stuff like that. And so, yeah, that was, that was a great call on his part. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but they get through the gate – and, you know, the dialing control panel, you know, is there. It looks intact. It's a little overgrown or whatever. But did you think it looked that dark? No. <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, it's kind of dark. It's like, you know, maybe like, well, I guess now, maybe like 4.30-ish type dark, you know. But it's not like I can't see two feet in front of me dark. Like, yeah, you know, I they, mean, they sent I- a probe through that couldn't see, like. I don't see why the probe couldn't see there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think my 1990s camcorder would have been able to film acceptably in that level of right. light. So, oh, whatever, that that's okay. But, uh, yeah, because the probe seems fine. They get attacked by a band of cavemen. And, yes, they're saved by the Marines that have their back. But I, I think most of us are immediately taken by the cavemen because we're thinking like okay cool evolution and is this a planet that evolved differently than what we know on earth and that's not exactly how it turns out but it was still cool for yeah well that's definitely your first thought well it's my first thought you know that oh that that some ancient precursor to homo sapiens uh, ended up going through the Stargate and then didn't evolve, you know? Yeah. And so, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's, again, like the kind of things that they can do on this show that's really cool. Right. Now, one of the things they have done over the past couple of episodes, and I'll put you on the spot here, Uh-oh. is the, you know, the, the theme of misogyny and, and the treatment of women and, you know, as we explore the untouched and the land of light and the land of dark, uh, they observe the caveman camp, and it appears that the female who doesn't appear to have the same physical characteristics as as the caveman, it looks like she's going to be raped. And Sam, understandably, is ready to jump in. What do you think about that scene? I think I have to kind of go with Sam on this one, because... You know, be it as it may, you know, like Daniel says, well, you know, in ancient cultures, that was kind of how it happened. So, you know, I don't know. Like, it's still, but I think you have to default to what Sam said. It's just she's still, she's about to be raped. She clearly is not okay with it. So let's default to, to that. Right to our our modern conception of of consent, uh, rather than just hanging back and and watching as an atrocity takes place. Right, and using the excuse that this is survival of the fittest, this is their culture. We're not going to interfere, and it doesn't come across as heavy handed as it did in the previous episode. So I I, I like that. 
fortunately or unfortunately, uh, they don't really have to make a decision here because the untouched come up with their slingshots and their PPE and, you know, save, save the girl such as it is, uh, you know, you know, we'll get to that in a second, but I love the fact that they are perceived to be gods and Jack, you know, you know, Jack on the one hand wants to milk this for all it's worth. You want to see me as a God? That's okay. I mean, he doesn't, you know, it's like, right. he's like get up, get up, get up. Yeah. We're not gods. But again, we know that this likely has something to do with the Gaul, or is there some other human race that has been coming through the gates? Yeah. I, I, yeah. We, I mean, I, I obviously assume that is the, the goal, the goal, the gold, um, you know, their experience with them is what leads them to think anyone who comes through the Stargate is, is a guy. And I, I think that's also why Jack is so against people, you know, showing obeisance to them or anything and just saying, no, I'm not a guy to he, that way. He sep- I'm not those guys. I'm not like the gold to go, go out, go, oh, forget the, the, the bad the guys, alien, the bad guys. Right? <laughs> You're like Elmer Fudd here, man. Like, um, so yeah, like to, to, so he makes that distinction between them, basically, right? And you know we've talked on numerous occasions, and and whether you've seen the movie or just the first few episodes of SG One, you know the connection to the Egyptian Egyptians and Egyptian culture is obvious. So it's really cool that once they're taken to the City of Light and these elaborate buildings that dot this complex, it's Minoan culture which okay that's pretty cool although i gotta say the male leaders top yeah uh dude it's no good do you guys not have mirrors in your culture (laughs) i I guess not yeah Uh, um yeah that that was that was not great um you know it's it's funny because i was reading an, an article about that dean devlin had said that they had like a couple um, sequels planned for the movie and that they were going to focus on other ancient civilizations as being, you know, you know, influenced by the Stargate. And I, th- I believe he said Minoan culture w- was one of them. So, you know, this kind of, obviously he was, they weren't able to execute that vision because it got sold and whoever, like, I guess MGM bought it. And they were like, no, we're not interested in the movie. We're just going with the, the, the television show. Right. And, you know, we'll see. And, and again, yes, I've seen the whole series. And no, I don't remember anything. So when I say, right. I guess we'll see if they address other cultures. Dude, I, I don't remember. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, Which clearly, I think they are, right? I mean, this is, we're, we're only four in. And this is like the third different culture that, that we've experienced. So... I mean, they're, they're clearly going to go there on a fairly consistent basis, I think. Right. But when, when the gods are referred to as the evil gods, I think, you know, we, we can put two and two together and assume it's the Gaul. But it has been a generation since the good gods appeared. So, you know, who are, the, who are these two competing god groups 
if you will. And, and, you know, will we see any of them? And, and that's one of the questions that, that I guess we'll have to consider as we go along. They dialed in this planet and went through the gate. Will they return or will they go out and just look to explore, you know, new planets? So, you know, certainly that will be something to look forward to whether or not they return. But, I love Jack's decision once he realizes what's going on is that we've, you know, we've got some sort of a infection, although at this point they don't necessarily really know what's going on. And Jack says, we're leaving. And Daniel's like, what do you mean? We've got to study all this art appreciation is not what this mission is yeah. about. And then the scene, once they get back, to Stargate Command when Daniel's trying to lobby General Hammond. And General Hammond's like, dude, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're getting what you want. Yeah. He's like, but, but, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you knew that, like, right, when, they, when he kept arguing with Hammond, you know, like, oh, Hammond's going to totally agree with them and, and let them, you know, go back. But, you know, they're playing out for the comedic purpose, and it, it uh, worked out pretty well. Yeah, now you know we've we've talked about special effects, and this is a show that was filmed in 1997. This is the first time, at least that I remember, that we get a visual of the vortex or black hole or whatever how you know whatever the Stargate transport system actually is. But it's the first time we've seen it visually. What'd you think? I guess it's just because I just watched the movie and they. They show it in the movie. Uh, so I guess they did they not do it in the first episode? I, you know, I don't remember if they did. I don't think they did it to the I don't think they extent. did either because because I, when I watched the movie, I'd already seen the first episode. So I remember watching the movie thinking, oh, so that's what happens when they go through the vortex. So, so yeah, so I, I didn't think anything of it because I, I've just seen the movie and they definitely do that visual there. But yeah, no, it's that's uh, it's it's super cool, and of course, it makes it look like a like a roller coaster too. So it makes it you know that much more fun. Yeah. Now you know, before just to go back to the planet for a second because I forgot about this. You know, when Jack orders the team to go back through the gate, we're going home, and Daniel you know tries to convince Jack to stay. Sam, through her body language, seems to agree with Daniel, which. I guess it's not surprising because she is a scientist, albeit mm-hmm. a different kind of scientist than he is. So it'll be interesting to see how her role develops because she seems to be this buffer between the military, which is Jack's milieu and the investigative line that, that seems to be Jack's uh, uh, Daniels. So, you know, I did pick up on that, but, the the other thing, once they're back and he tells General Hammond that there was nothing of strategic importance, and I'm thinking, dude, you went like a mile in. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> well, I, I think he just basically means like, you know, they're hunting for the gold and, um, you know, so anything that is not pertinent to that particular mission is is not important and, and and maybe he you know learned a lesson from the previous episode where you know getting involved with the local 
business or whatever, the you know, doesn't work out very well and, and can be very dangerous. So, you know, it seemed like now that his, you know, the, um, his rationale is basically if, uh, you know, if we can't get anything on, on the gold by there, then, then we're just, we're out of here. We're not going to get caught up in another, you know, any of the drama of, of the local planet. Yeah, and, and the, you know, Jack, as the consummate soldier, once he learns that the president has authorized all future missions to consider cultural and scientific details, which makes perfect sense. Jack looks like the little kid that's been told by his parents that they're going to the art museum. And it's like, yeah. I don't want to go. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, but obviously at this point, the episode takes a turn when one of the soldiers from the Marine team starts exhibiting violent behaviors. And, and, you know, before you know it, virtually everybody is locked up but we've got the scene in the locker room when jack is i guess drying off from the shower and sam wearing a crop top starts coming on to him and and he does his best to fight her off god bless him but you know she ends up in the infirmary and and, you know we've got that little exchange between the two of them that that fred brings up in his feedback about you know well subconsciously does he want her as well and and you know it's not something that's addressed in the episode this infection does it bring out your core desires that you just you know that you lose all inhibitors and you know, you say what you're really feeling, even though you wouldn't do it ordinarily. So, well, know, gr- it, it, I mean, it definitely seems like that kind of with like Johnson, Lieutenant Johnson, because, um, and you know, I didn't know how to interpret it early on uh, when he's at the same table as Teal, and he's kind of eyeing him over, you know, and I'm like, hmm, are they, this is pretty progressive for 1997 if they're going to have this guy hook up with teal but um but the, you know then later when he just kind of gives him the eyeball uh it's you know obviously a very angry one and he attacks him you know i i so i guess that previous look that he gave teal was not one of passion but of 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 anger and then that kind of just came out once he was infected well, it's also a nice touch when Dr. Frazier tells Jack, you know, the, the line about choosing a sexual partner based on standing in the pack, you should be flattered. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you mentioned, oh, maybe there's something between Frazier and Jack. So um, yeah, got all that to look forward to, but it's look, fast. Four, four episodes that I'm already shipping. Yeah, Look at there me. you go. Uh, <laughs> but it is fascinating to watch Jack's reaction to being infected because he seems to be able to fight it off more than the others. I don't know what that tells us about him, but he does seem to be able to fight through. And I guess we could maybe explain that, that she has given him far more sedative than he really should have. And, and I was a little surprised she gave it to him there at the end. Uh, I'm not even exactly sure why she gives it to him. I mean, she says something about he must be in pain, but I think it seems to be probably more emotional pain than, than physical pain. But, 
you know, you know, still, I, I was a little surprised at that. But well, well the, I mean, there's just something that I thought of. I, mean, I don't think this is what they're where they're going with this, but you know, there is from you know the movie how like you know Jack is kind of suicidal um, in the movie, and they have not played that up really at all. In fact, I think they've they've hardly they mentioned his son like really like one time in episode one, and it hasn't really been mentioned since. So they're definitely. What Kurt Russell really played up in this character, Richard Dean Anderson hasn't gone there really at all. So, um, but you know, in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, oh, are they kind of going back to that, like that aspect that we saw of Jack's character? Right, but then we we see Hammond. You know, once Hammond finds out that it's a highly contagious virus that affects parts of the brain and and he realizes what's happened here is that they've brought an alien virus to the base he orders it sealed off and i'm thinking like dude don't set the timer and blow the place up in 30 minutes no. just seal it off but <laughs> he, he does give orders to shoot on site and then burn the body for anybody that tries to leave the compound so you know i i do like the fact that realistically that's what a general in his situation should do immediately. And of course, that, that is what he does do. But once they learn that, that Daniel and Teal'c aren't affected, and, and again, I, I, is there anybody cooler than Teal'c? You know, you, you start no. like that voice and yeah. you start thinking James Earl Jones. I mean, he's got that kind of command and power. Right. Well, um, he's also kind of got like the androgyny thing going there. He with, does. He and does everything, and so it's just he's like a really cool character, without a doubt. You know, and they they finally in this episode gave. Well, I guess he, he in the second episode he had a pretty big role in that too. But you know, we we had mentioned last time that how they really kind of didn't give him much to do uh, last episode, um, and now he has. He certainly uh, becomes more front and center as a character and yeah he's he's uh he's super cool i just and of course they also do have the you know they're, they're gonna continue to play off of his lack of awareness of pop culture and everything to <laughs> right you know, it's like these little jokes that they can throw out each week right and i did love the fact that he does let jack out even though you could argue no he really should have gone to get dr frazier first i i think he's i guess gotten to know jack enough that that he just innately trusted that jack was fine at this point and you know despite the lucy reference he he <laughs> he he did go with his instinct and let him out but i love the fact that daniel's immune because he's always taking antihistamines for his allergies and and i love the <laughs> fact that dr fraser figured that out so you know that was a that was a cool catch just Jack's willingness to be the guinea pig, just to, to do this to save everybody. And maybe that speaks to the suicidal tendencies that you mentioned from the movie. While that's not suicidal, it is a willingness to, you know, give up my own life to save everybody else. Sure. And while that's certainly admirable and, and certainly, you know, I don't want to say everybody in our military does that, but, but, you know, I would think the vast majority are willing to risk their own life to save their, their comrades. But, you know, it was nice to see. 
I, he orders Teal and, and Daniel to go back and get blood. Either you know how to draw. Who knows how to draw blood? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. But yeah, well, they got to teach him. They got to teach him. And, and, and when, you know, Teal is, is fighting off the, the touched and he turns around and, you know, we of course know that Daniel's already been taken. Yeah. Okay. The finding his glasses on the ground, Okay, kind of obvious, but I still like it. And and, and mm-hmm. I like the fact that once they rescue Daniel, it's like returning his glasses to him. It, it, it's almost like, you know, the symbolic in that, uh, you know, you can see again and, and that, you know, you, you're, you're back with the team. So, you know, I did like sure. that. that was, not, not, you know. not subtle symbolism, as you said. No, but, no, but not yeah. at all. Not at all. But definitely, uh, definitely used metaphorically there for sure. Right. And and then just the last thing I want to bring up is that that final scene is they're leaving the planet after they've rescued Daniel. They've shown the uh, the people how to cure the infected uh, of their population. And she's apologizing for her earlier behavior. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was infected. I don't remember anything and asks about her knife wound because if it doesn't heal properly. You'll never wear that sweet little tank top number again. And then that's how it ends. And you see the look on her face. I'm not sure I detected a little smile. Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I didn't catch that. But but yeah. yeah. Okay. He couldn't get away with that comment nowadays, obviously. But Oh, my gosh. No. So, <laughs> all right, anything else we didn't talk about yet? Um, well, I, I just like how when Teal'c went back, because he needed to get the blood sample uh, from someone of the the untouched, right? Yeah. And so he he requested it uh, from, like, the leader oh, and yeah. his wife. And, of course, they're like, oh, you can't have our blood? What? You know, and everything. Um, so he goes over and, you know, smacks around the guards and knocks them out and takes it. And then when he comes back later... Uh, he goes to help. I think it's their their daughter, right? Or is it Daniel? Yeah. It's Daniel. Um, and they like you know cross you know, do the crossing the spears in front of them. I'm like, well, yeah, because the last time this guy got close to he he beat the hell out of you. So you know, of course, they're a little annoyed that and, you know not going to let him by. So that was kind of a little funny detail, but um, but yeah, this was you know, and at the the end with the big victory. And all the touched are able to return to the land of the untouched because they got their allergy medicine. That actually made sense. Whereas the big victory, all the women coming out and pulling off their veils last week made very little sense. So uh, it's nice to have that kind of victory scene that actually follows from the narrative of the story. Yeah. So, uh, letter grade? Um, what did I think? I gave it a, I think I gave it a B, solid B. Yeah, that's what I'm going with, solid B. I thought it was uh, an above average episode, and, and we're moving in the right direction now, and I think we saw some great character development. I, I think we saw some great acting. Um, you know, I think Fred mentions in his feedback about Jack, and, and while we don't see Sam other than, and I think arguably that was a pretty out of character 
exchange she has in the locker room with Jack. So I think from an acting standpoint, that was definitely outside Samantha Carter's, uh, you know, range. So I thought that was pretty good. And I mean, really, uh, Teal'c was Teal'c. And, you know, I, I don't think we saw anything new out of him. But yeah, I mean, I think solid B for this episode, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So... It was good. It, you know, it's one of those ones where when you get to the end of the episode, I'm like, oh, wow. So, you know, like I literally seemed like it went really quickly, you know, okay. which was not the case last week. Okay. All right. You want to get some listener feedback? Sure. All right. Well, we heard from Dan LaRock this week, and, and Dan's been with us for a long time. I, I was going to go back and look to see when his first feedback was, but it, it was way back. So Dan says, hi, Dave and Wayne. I'm so excited you've all decided to take on SG-1 for the podcast. You guys are definitely committed because to podcast all 10 season will take years and I couldn't be more happy. Well, that stopped me in my tracks because, yeah. <laughs> and I did uh, shoot Dan a message that, um, yeah, because I know I said that and I didn't necessarily mean it because yeah. like 10 seasons and like dan says years but you know as i sat back and and started thinking you know we're in a situation as a podcast where the only show we've really got to look forward to in terms of continuing it is ragnarok which has begun filming its second season but its second season is only going to be six episodes so while I'm sure a show or other or, or shows will grab our attention like Brave New World did and we'll want to do that. Oh, we can still do Brave New World season two, though, can't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, so who's to say when we can't figure out what to do or, you know, whatever. So, you know, basically what I said to Dan in my message was we'll just see how it goes. And, and yeah. you know, we'll, we'll do as much as much of SG1 as we do <laughs> so. yeah I don't, I don't know if the people listening would be surprised to how last minute most of our choices are as to what we're going to to talk about um you know dave generally tries to get the conversation going when we're about four weeks out and i usually respond to him when we're about you know a week out from having to actually make the the call so uh so yeah you know, Dave tries, but unfortunately, he's he's got uh, me here to to drag him around like an albatross, to drag yeah. around like an albatross. Yeah, well, not not quite. But uh, anyway, so Dan says these are my opinions, and I think that the entire Stargate franchise is the best TV that's ever been made for sci-fi lovers. SG One has it all. There's a lot of heart here, and as we progress through the series, it really shows. The team's tight, and the love and respect they share for one another really gets me where it counts. Shows so well written and acted, I could go on and on. The same really applies to Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe. TV shows that aired back then were structured much differently than ones airing today, as we know. There'll be clip episodes and ones that are one-offs that stray from the overall arc, but still never take from the quality of SG-1. Cast is also second to none. I'm looking forward to this journey, and I've begun a rewatch of this unforgettable series along with you guys. I just have trouble stopping at one per week. <laughs> Thanks again. Kind regards. Um, yeah, the stopping that uh, sounds like you, the way you used to be, but you've 
been sticking with one episode a week. At least that's what you told me. Yeah, no, I've I, I've been good. I've okay. been good. Okay. Um, now, now he mentioned Stargate Atlantis and Universe. I, I did watch Universe. It's only two seasons, and I really enjoyed it. I'm not sure what the backstory is on why it didn't get a third season. Uh, SG Atlantis. I've seen the first couple, and and I enjoyed it. I just I don't know for whatever reason never never uh, went on, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, Dan, thank you, and uh, you know we'll see uh, we'll see what we see. Let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG One Season One Episode Four. Last episode, you both gave the episode a C. Well, this is a little better, so I will give this a C+. And the plus, of course, comes from Captain or Dr. Sam Carter in a tank top, talking about misogyny. Okay, today is Saturday the 7th of November. Your elections are still going on, and I hope it will be clear by the time you record your podcast Really crazy what's happening over there in your country. I cannot say anything else than I'm completely amazed. But I won't go into details because this is not a political podcast. But some very strange things happened. Okay, back to SG-1. Biggest nitpick I have is about the land of light and the land of dark. Because in the land of dark, where the gateway is, it's all dark and they need night vision goggles. But if you look in the background, there are trees with green leaves. How the heck can they grow with such a diminished amount of light? The episode gave me a little bit a trope feeling of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, in the previous episode, we had Romeo and Juliet. And in this episode, we have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as a basis for the story. I have to compliment Richard Dean Anderson because he plays his Mr. Hyde part quite well. Well, they brought a contagious disease to Cheyenne Mountain, but they were able to manage it. We all could wish that COVID would be as easy to manage. A little antihistaminic drugs and eradicate the virus by that way. I really wonder if Jack actually wants Sam, because he says, not like this. This is a lot of lying, don't you think? Want me? No, no, not like this. In what other way would he agree on it? That was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Back, open the door. Lucy, I'm home. All right, now, first of all, I love the Jekyll Hyde imagery that, that Fred mentions. Uh, I I didn't think about it. I, I agree with it. I love it. Whether we'll see more, you know, who knows? Um, You know, I guess we mentioned that uh, I agree with Fred as well. I think Jack subconsciously wants Sam, but then again, who doesn't, you know, 
I mean, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. She's she's a very attractive woman, and she's smart, and she's clever, and she's tough, and so she's got a lot going for her. So, I mean, it's it's not a stretch of the imagination to think that Jack would be attracted to her. There's, you know, probably a, a lot of guys would. So, um, but yeah. So, all right. Uh, anything else about Fred's feedback before we get to the one piece that uh, you and I talked about earlier? Well, yeah, I, I just think that the good call there on the trees, right? Like, if this part of the plant is always in the dark, then how are the how oh, the trees right. have green leaves, right? Good um, point. So, yeah, good call, Fred, the scientist. I was going to say, there you go, bringing science into the equation. What the heck yeah, is that I know. about? So, all right, well, Fred also brings up the U.S. election, and we talked last week about um, you know, it was the eve of the U.S. presidential election, as well as some of the other um, elections for other offices as well. And, and uh, you know, he brings up, I mean, he, he doesn't come out right out and say this, but I know this is what he means. And I'm always fascinated by this question about how we are perceived around the world. And, you know, we've said we don't get political. Well, okay, it, we're going to get political for a couple of minutes. So, you know, tune out, come back next week where we won't be political. <laughs> uh, I, I think personally for me, it's, I've been holding a, a lot in for a while. So, you know, that said now, let it go, Dave. Yeah. Well, well, you know, now you and I have known each other for a long time. And, and even though we haven't been working together the last couple of years, you know, when we were working together, we knew where each stood politically. And while yeah. we generally didn't talk about anything, I mean, the the basically the bulk of our politics was who was the better captain, Picard or Kirk. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, but we still haven't really settled that one. But <laughs> right. okay. It's an ongoing but, debate, right? But for me, as you know, I am really a pretty hardcore conservative who was willing to give our president a chance. Well, as you know, we've talked over the past couple of years and you know, at this point it's just a, it's just a clusterfuck. <laughs> and you know, the, the, well, you're only watching CNN or you're, you know what? I've got a lot of time. And yeah. you know, as an English major, there's this thing called research and the internet. And did you know that you can actually go? I mean, it, it's not hard. I, I mean, I watch the other channel. And, and, and again, for me, I'm a, a conservative. I'm a registered Republican that is completely embarrassed by the Republican Party at this point and, yeah. and the enabling that they've done. And you just sit there and watch... <laughs> some of these Republicans and I'm like, well, that's not true. And I just go on my computer. It's like, no, that's not true. Well, that's yeah. not true. It, and it, it's just mind boggling. And I'm sorry out there. If you voted for president Trump, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you're seeing that I'm not seeing. So anyway, that's the end of my rant. Okay. Well, Dave, you know, that was, I thought that was very well said. You know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone who listens to this would be surprised that, you know, my sympathies lie far to the left of yours. Um, not Maybe not far, but certainly to the left. Um, and uh, and so, obviously, what, you know, Saturday was 
incredible news uh, to me, and I couldn't agree with you more with uh, with you know you more about what you said. I just um, you know it's there's just a lot of stuff going on. But I mean, just I, the, the one thing I just is to to hear the, the him disparage the, the people who are working so hard to count these votes many of whom I'm sure are volunteers and for him to tell them that they're corrupt is I, to my mind is just, um, you know, the kind of the last straw of, of a, a, a very poor presidency. And so, well, you know, uh, I'm, ver- so I'm, I'm very sorry fond- if, if we, sorry, uh, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just gonna say, I'm very fond of crystallizing things to it's either this or that. Well, you know, you know, when I went to bed on election night, I was way ahead in Pennsylvania and I wake up and they found all these votes. I'm like, okay, either you don't understand how the election works and the counting of votes works, or you're just deliberately trying to sow discord. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing else. There's no no other options. (laughs) It's that second thing. (laughs) Well, you know, But see, here's the part. I'm not convinced that's true. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, yeah, it probably is, but I don't know. You know, you know just so many things like that. It's like it, the whole Republican Party at this point seems to be based on fear. And if you vote for Joe Biden, then the end of civilization as we know it has arrived. And, you know, We'll be calling each other comrade. So, yeah. well, when in reality, he was probably the most conservative candidate out of all the Democratic candidates uh, that uh, aspired to to the nomination earlier. And um, to call him a socialist is is laughable. And and those who um, who who are on the more you know the the farther end left of the spectrum probably be more insulted at that than joe biden would yeah so so we shall see so you know fred in terms of the rest of the world you know give us a chance we're we're hoping to rejoin the international community in in a way that uh, the united states has been uh, perceived in the past i think we'll get there again i i you know i'm firmly convinced that that you know the the rest of the world leaders are are just like counting the days but i don't know it's 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 scary times here you know i mean it really is yeah yeah and and there's nothing this to say that you know it's not like all, all of a sudden everything's going to be great and now all the people who, who vote for trump are you know i mean they they they're as convinced as ever that that something bad has happened something fraudulent happened and so the next 4 years is not going to be everyone holding hands and getting along but see that's what's so frightening yeah it is that's what are you basing that on what makes you think the election was stolen well i saw them burning a bag of ballots that's been debunked you know how many no (laughs) uh you know well they they didn't have any uh observe yes they did there were observers everywhere well the president said (laughs) yeah I mean, everyone knew this was going to be a close election. Everyone knew that there was going to be a ton of mail-in ballots because, guess what, people? We're experiencing a pandemic. A lot of people didn't want to go and stand in line with other people for hours. 
right? So they yeah. mailed in their ballots. Those mail-in ballots almost every state were counted after the election or after election day or after the, the day of the election votes were canceled. That's why it changed. And it's not fraud. It's it's just different because this was a different year and they knew it was going to be like that. Both Democrats and Republicans had people everywhere, and especially in the battleground states. That there's so, but but again, you know, it's just I don't know. I mean, obviously, we hope things can. I mean, it's not like before this, you know, when Obama was president, that everyone was in agreement and we were united. You know, we were for that brief moment, maybe when when he was elected, but then after that, you know, not so much. And, and so, and yeah, there's. I don't think that you know people talk about this call for unity and and that's well and good, but you know the only time we were really unified in recent history was on nine eleven and a couple months after that and uh you know you know so. I, I don't I don't even have to have unity, I just have to have civility yes right and and that's my biggest problem with this administration that the idea and concept of civility has disappeared to the point that the whatever the opposite of civility is yeah. that that's what's become the norm and that that's somehow become acceptable behavior and i'm like no yeah i mean my congressman is i'm i well you know my congressman is the only republican congressman in maryland andy harris yeah he's a freaking medical doctor who ignores the science. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop there. You, you got anything else you want to say? We covered it, I think, and more. All right. So uh, I guess this has been eight or nine years coming, right, that we've been doing yeah. the podcast. And, and we, yeah, we haven't really yet gone there at all. So. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, we'll leave it there. Um, we promise that'll be it. Um, well, hopefully. <laughs> that will do it, though, for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Uh, thanks for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1. Anything else going on in sci-fi television? We don't want to hear what you think about the election. Yeah. I'm just kidding if you want to. Yeah, um, you could you could chime in on that if you want. That's fine. Uh, join the we'll, Facebook we'll, Basically, we'll take any kind of feedback. We'll, yeah. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, so uh, emails go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode five of Stargate SG-1 titled The First Commandment. But until then. You know, we get a lot of, of feedback here, which is actually kind of contradicts what I just said, maybe. But, you know, and a lot of people say a lot of nice things. Just listen, people. I just got to tell you, for crying out loud, we're not gods. <laughs> <laughs>